Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow are back for another episode of Blog Talk Radio, and uh, <laughs> sorry if I sound frazzled, it's because we had a few technical difficulties getting on here, but we are on finally, and uh, our guest is here with us, and I'm very excited uh, about this interview because, uh, well, it's just, like I said, I, I just uh, love this guy. He's one of the smartest people I know and, and, uh, very gifted in, in understanding what's going on in the global community and, uh, all uh, spiritual movements and developments. And he's, his prophetic gift is profound. And, uh, that's enough to say you'll find it as we get going. Please welcome back to Blog Talk Radio our friend uh, Mike McCausland. Mike, welcome. Thanks, John. Always a pleasure to be on with you. I love what you do and love the group, and uh, it's an exciting time to be alive. Boy, boy, I'll say it sure is. And, uh, um, you know, I've got a bunch of things that I can't wait to talk to you about. So I'm, I'm just going to jump right in um, to the controversial part, <laughs> which is, which is, well, um, let's do it. You know, <laughs> you know, the whole thing about um, uh, uh, conspiracy theories, I, I'm just fascinated by this, this, this whole study. And, you know, this is something new, relatively new. I don't remember this, uh, you know, like 10 years ago, uh, 15, maybe, um, and uh, I guess it's maybe in many ways a child of the Internet. But uh, I, I'd love to have you talk a little bit about this because I think perhaps some of these are real and some of them aren't. And, well, maybe why do you think uh, it's such a big deal right now? And what is the power of of these theories? And and uh, I'm watching my, my own 22-year-old is very influenced by this. Uh, and so I'm assuming a lot of the younger people are. And, uh, uh, you know, what, what's, your, what's your take on, uh, on this, this whole subject, Mike? Sure. Well, I, I, I heard a joke just recently. What's the difference between conspiracy theory and conspiracy fact? And the answer was about six months. So um, one of the greatest challenges today, and I said this 15 to 20 years ago, looking forward into where we were going, I said one of the greatest challenges today is to understand what is real. Um, Because we have so many deep fakes and so many things going on 
what's what's real out there? How do we know, especially with the internet and the abundance of information, access to information and disinformation, what's true and what's not true? And, uh, you know, so there's different ways that I look at the internet. I look at validating sources and, um, and doing my research. As you know, I'm a science guy. I, I ran nuclear power plants. I've got a background in nuclear energy. Right. I love quantum physics. I, I, you know, I think like an engineer. So I'm always uh, looking for facts. Um, there's a lot of theories out there. I've heard most of them. Um, and of course, they're all over the map. But I'm I'm uh, I'm a pragmatic realist. I I love um, I have a lot of hope. I have a lot of vision for the future. But at the same time, I like to look at facts to make decisions on. So I'm pragmatic in that way. And so I tend uh-huh. to search a lot of things. I I probably search 50 plus websites a day, uh, multiple times a day. So I track a lot of things going on. I think you know uh, I ran the National Level Exercise in D.C. for the Department of Homeland Security to bring the private sector to the table for the largest exercise in the United States. And so, you know, I have a mind for disaster response. We built a global network. Right. It's in over 75 countries, 15,000 photo ID badge members. And so we're always tracking things especially things that are threats to our family, our societies, our communities. And so there's a lot going on today. So, you know, I, I do like to, um, you know, view a lot of different websites. Um, I think you probably know, um, your listeners, if they've done much research, probably know that, that most of the mainstream news media channels are owned by about five different companies. And so if you're going to get a broad, balanced understanding of what's going on, you have to go outside the mainstream news media. Um, and then mm. you're into alternative news, and the challenge there is what's valid, right? Because there's a whole lot of sensationalism right. and a whole lot of hype uh, on stuff that's going on. So, you know, I've been doing this for years, and – I like to – there's some of the things that I use to validate my sources, if I could put it that way, and the, the websites that mm-hmm. I have learned to uh, look to for information. Uh, I'll give you a couple points. One is um, in validating my sources, one of the, have they been proven to be accurate over a period of time? And so mm-hmm. as we go through uh, event after event, did they accurately – or have groundbreaking news on things that would later be confirmed. So they may be sources that give us access uh, faster than others. So what's their track record on validating um, events that actually do occur? Um, Two, are there multiple sources that say the same thing but get their data from different sources? So if I'm looking at two or three different websites and they're talking about the same kind of a of an issue or a concept, but they're getting their information from different sources, now there's uh, a confirmation uh, of that information from multiple different sources. And so, okay. you know, a lot of it is about, you know, their proven performance over time, uh, their alignment with others. Um, and then, you know, is it just good, accurate data? So it goes beyond opinion. It goes beyond here's what we think. 
but they lay out a lot of data and statistics because I'm a, I'm a science guy. I, I need data. And so, you know, those are some of the things I look for. And um, as I said, there's a number of websites that I look at. I could give you some of those if you're interested um, and ones that I trust. Uh-huh. That, that would be great. We don't need to do that now. Uh, did I lose you? No, I'm here, Mike. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. We can maybe maybe we can do that, and maybe we can talk with you a little afterwards, and I can get that to our listeners if they're interested. How about how about that? Uh, sure, absolutely. Um, um, one of the things that everybody's interested in is the stock market, and and uh, and 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 what's going to happen with their money and with the market. And so one of the sites that I follow is run by one of the first um, 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 money market managers that managed one of the largest funds in the world. And he does a regular um, – um, he probably posts four or five articles a day. And one of the things that I like about him, again, very statistics and data-oriented, talks a lot about capital movements. And so capital hmm. is fleeing Europe. Capital is fleeing Africa for different reasons, fleeing Europe because of the war. And a lot of that capital movement is coming into the United States and into China and Russia, interestingly enough. So the, China, the Russian economy is actually stronger than when the embargo started. But um, oh. in the United States, we have a lot of in, you know, capital inflow because of uh, capital leaving Europe. And because of that, our stock market is not going to crash, I don't think, anytime soon. Um, we've got a year or two as the war in Europe grows because it seems to be on that trajectory. Um, and then mm-hmm. we'll get into more of a challenging period. But I think over the next year or so, the market in the United States is going to um, you know, be strong. The dollar is up right now. Uh, I think it was at 107 the last time I looked today. And so I think our market is not in jeopardy of the big crash that people are projecting, not in the next year or so. So so once again, the war is good for us? Is that, is that what we're saying? Well, well, not good for us. I mean, there's a lot we could talk about in the war and what's going on in Ukraine and Russia Mm -hmm. and the treaties that existed and why Ukraine gave up their nuclear weapons and what's going on with all of that. But as you know, we've printed trillions and trillions of dollars in the United States and and the ability Mm -hmm. to pay that money back is, is, uh, you know, challenging or questionable at best. And so, Wars always have a way of resetting the system. And so a lot of times that's uh, part of the intent is to reset the financial system. My, my. Well, um, let's, let's look at, um, let's just look at the, the situation here in America. And then I want to look broader because you have a you have a you have a global eye on things but um you know here in america everything is so polarized and divided right now and um what what do you think is important for us as believers in a time like this what what should we be looking to do 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I'll say this first. I mean, you know, because people always ask when we get into all of the stuff going on, and we could talk about, uh, I think it's prudent to have some preparedness, and we can talk about that. But ultimately, it boils down to, um, you know, being about the Father's business. We are living in very challenging times. I believe what lies ahead um, is going to be difficult. Um, and yet at mm-hmm. the same time, you know, uh, being about the Father's business is really, really important because, you know, what we see right now in many of the political situations especially is a rhetoric of divisiveness and hate, and there's a lot of that yeah. occurring uh, all over the, the platforms of division and, um, and creating this hate. And yet, you know, and the Bible says that in the last days that the love of many will grow cold. And ultimately, you know, our job as Christians is to be an example of the love of Christ. And so I think that, you know, having a foundation, I think the foundation is a critical part here. There's a lot of people that tend to uh, question whether or not the Bible is the true word of God. I mean, there are statistics that a significant number of pastors – uh, question whether it's the Word of God. I I live my life uh, believing that the Word of God is from God. It's the standard that we live our lives by. It's the it's the mm-hmm. book that gives us guidance to live in these days. And if we believe that it is the Word of God, then we have to follow after that foundation. And the the, the most difficult mm-hmm. part for so many people today is they don't have a foundation. There's nothing mm-hmm. to set their beliefs upon, right? So they're you know, the, the Bible mm. talks about being tossed in, to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And so we have people that, um, you know, are very challenged today because they don't have a solid foundation. And if there's no solid foundation, then it's hard to take action based on the stuff you see. And you just swing back and forth in extremes. So, you know, I, I tend to believe the Bible is the word of God. And I believe that our job today is to share with people about the, the truth of the word and, and to love one another, to serve one mm. another, to care for one another. Mm. That's what Jesus came to show us, right, was how to love one another. That was one of the greatest commandments. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's all it's all there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is this uh, is this just uh, particularly this liberal, conservative, right, left, political division thing? Is it strictly American, or is there something global about this? Is this is this kind of hatred and divisiveness everywhere? I think we're seeing it all over the world. I, I think COVID. And what happened with the pandemic has had such a, a dramatic effect on economies and people all over the world. I mean, the destruction of middle class, the destruction of businesses, um, but the, the political side of, of the liberalism, um, you know, we're, you know, we see an, an intent to push it worldwide. Um, other cultures don't accept uh, some of these beliefs that are, are being pushed here. Um, and so you get into the Middle East and in and Asia, um, some of these things are are not as easily accepted. But you have different forms then of control. So instead of maybe liberalism versus conservatism, you may see 
totalitarian governments, you know, uh, dealing with things. So it's a different form. But the divisiveness is still there, the lack of love and serving and caring for one another. And, you know, one of the things I love about the body of Christ is it doesn't matter where you go in the world. doesn't matter what mm-hmm. color you are. doesn't matter what nationality you are, male, female. There is no division. There is no distinction. We're all one family, mm-hmm. one body, and, and there's a tremendous love for one another. That's one of the most exciting things I see about the body in you know worldwide. Yeah, that's so good. Um, something that uh, I am watching happen, uh, at least here in America, I would say in the last twenty to thirty years, um, you know, Christians have become more and more political, and uh, we've watched that. We've watched that happen. A lot of it seems to be driven by a kind of, uh, well, what they're now calling maybe a, an Americanism or a national uh, uh, a nationalism that's kind of tied to our faith. And, and, and I can remember, you know, 20 years ago saying we've got to get America back. You know, we've got to get back to our roots as if we are, we are the uh, – the country, you know, representing right. uh, Christianity in the world. And uh, I think lately I've begun to see a kind of a on that, uh, finally, yep. because I've always wondered about that. Uh, uh, Kristen Dumay's book, we've had her on a few times about uh, John, Jesus and John Wayne. And then uh, uh, this new uh Brian Zahn has a uh, documentary out, uh, uh, Postcards from Babylon, in which he's saying, you know, America is not a biblical Israel. America is probably closer to Babylon, which would make us as Christians exiles. Um, yeah. What do you what do you think about that? Um, is that maybe a better yeah. way to be looking at ourselves? <laughs> Well, one of the um, one of the people that speak on this that I really enjoy and believe it's biblically accurate is a guy named Dutch Sheets. Dutch does a daily um, devotional called Give Him Fifteen, and he recently did uh, a, a segment on the difference between politics and government. And I thought it was such apropos and so appropriate for the time and the day we live in, because as Christians, we are supposed to, I mean, God is government. God establishes government. The, the heart of the king is in the hand of God, and he turns it where he will. Um, and Christians, hmm. I like Ed, Ed Cole and his ministry, Ed, Ed has passed on, but used to talk a lot about, you know, this thing about, the, the government of God and, and the fact that we are representatives as his church, his ecclesia on earth. And so um, politics, we all dislike, but God is government. God establishes government. So we should be voting and engaging in government so that we have a, a, you know, a government that believes in Christian values and Christian concepts like taking care of the poor is true but also, you know, fair and integrous and impartial and rule of law 
those are all really critical issues that are talked about in the Bible, rule of law especially. We, we work all over the world, and if there is no rule of law, you can't function mm. in a society. And so, you know, the old statement, if the rules don't apply to everybody, they don't apply to anybody. And so, mm. you know, I, I'm not one for being political, but I think as Christians, we need to take responsibility, vote in the right people that have the right morals so that we can live a peaceful life and, 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 um, and continue on in our Christian ways. But if we don't engage in those areas, then people get elected that have totally different value systems that then impose those value systems on us. Um, and it's, and it's, again, it's one thing where people can do what they want, but when they impose that on others, now we start to get into a, a, an oppressive regime. So I do believe yeah. it's our responsibility to vote and get involved in government, but not in politics. Interesting. That seems like a, 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 a fine line. Uh, how how can you how do you tell the difference between government and politics? Well, I mean, government is that we live in a republic which allows people to vote um, for um, you know um, mm-hmm. representatives that represent them in the government, right? Um, politics mm-hmm. right. tends to deal with all of the the under the water manipulation and and. Um, and stuff that uh-huh. occurs to to gain favor and and um, lobbyists, all those kinds of things that manipulate the system for personal gain. And I think I that's part of the difference. Politics is is uh, more of of the professional art of controlling the system, where um, government is from yeah. God, and it's about ruling yeah. over the people as a representative of the people. Yeah. Well, don't you think, though, that uh, that at least for a number of years now, Christians have thought that they could operate in the political realm and make things happen uh, morally in the country, perhaps? Or maybe even well, bring the kingdom of God? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think that it is our job to do the best we can to represent the people in government and to be honest and integrous. You know, the concept of being a statesman or a statesperson, a champion, mm-hmm. versus uh, to go into those positions and try to get things for self. I mean, how many of our re- elected representatives became millionaires um, while in office? Uh, Mm. That was not Mm. the intent. If we look at the original intent, many of them served without pay um, in a periodic uh, or a a period of time to represent the people and do the best that they could to to make a difference, you know, in our country and in our our, uh, jurisdictions and our governments while they were in service. So it was seen as a service to the people versus what can I get for myself and, and how can I build my own value? I see. Wow. Well, what do you think? You know, we're 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 coming here into our uh, last few minutes here, and um, I'm just thinking, what what do you think we need to be focusing on mostly as simple 
people, ordinary people, followers of Christ, uh, people who want to bring the gospel uh, and represent Jesus. Um, what uh, what would you say? You know, what would you say to us? What, what kind of encouragement would you uh, would you give to well, us? The average yeah, to be real um, pragmatic here, and I said earlier yeah. to be about the Father's business and to share the gospel and to share with people um, that the Bible is the Word of God and Jesus is the the Savior, and I think all of those are the top priority. But the other thing I would say to be very pragmatic is we have some very difficult times ahead. Um, the whole yeah. world every major body is telling us about what's coming with food shortages. I track this stuff very closely, and what we see coming with food is very problematic. We're talking food prices going up significantly over the next few years. Um, We're tracking the the planting cycles. We're planting the harvest. We're tracking the harvest cycles, the lack of fertilizer, the lack of pesticides. Um, We have serious problems coming in food. We have serious problems coming in water. We have serious water, problems yeah. coming in energy. And so, you know, uh, just like in the days of Joseph, I believe that it's prudent for families to prepare. As I said, I ran the national level exercise in D.C., and what we learned is that the, the warehouses that provide the grocery stores only have 72 hours of food. And so we have a challenge coming that I believe – um, you know, we'll, we'll turn our nation back to God. I mean, one of the things I'm excited about, we just had a Morris Murillo comp, uh, tent uh, crusade here in Colorado Springs, and a tremendous mm-hmm. hunger is appearing in the church and, and outside mm. the church even. I mean, the greatest revival today needs to occur in the church first because in many ways the church is asleep in the light. So we need the revival in the church to be able to bring revival to the world. And so I'm seeing a hunger, but I'm, you know, you and I were around when the fire of God used to fall in the 80s, 70s and 80s. Remember when the Holy Spirit would show up and the whole place would just be, you know, laid out yeah. before God because the power of the Holy Spirit was so powerful. It levels everything. That's coming. Right now I see the hunger and that hasn't happened yet, but that's coming. That'll level everything. We need a revival in this nation. But at the same time, we have, uh, you know, the birth canal to go through. We've got some challenging times ahead, and families Mm -hmm. need to do some preparation. I mean, back in the National Level Exercise days, I came out of the National Level Exercise and told people, you need to have three months of food minimum, six months prudent, one year uh, best worst-case scenario. Now a lot of the experts out there are talking two, two years of food. Now, you know, the bottom line is there's challenges coming, and that, I think, is unstoppable. So we're going to go through some difficult times. I think people need to do some preparedness. Um, but, again, you know, the bottom line is that, that we are children of God. Um, we need to be following after him. We need to get very close to him so we can know what he's telling us to do in this time because your life may depend on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we we always keep saying this, but it seems to be closer and closer. Are we in the Are we in the end times? 
Right. Well, I tend to I tend to believe we are. That could be another discussion. I've been working with some of the the yeah. foremost one of the two one of the two uh, foremost uh, um, people in the world on the future of thought and some interesting stuff on how fast technology is changing. As you know, I have a book coming out in the next couple of weeks called Intrapreneurial Organizations, subtitled Self-Disrupt and Innovate Faster Than Customers or Competition, because the statistics are right now that Fortune or that S&P 500 companies by 2027, five years from now, will have a 10 to 12-year lifespan. The whole organization, S&P 500, will last 10 to 12 years before they'll cease to exist. And we already know people like Elon Musk is talking a 10% reduction of labor force. There's a lot of layoffs coming because of the economy. So a lot of people are going into um, entrepreneurship and startups, and that's what we teach. But big organizations need to learn how to reshape their organization to survive what we call the digital transformation so there's all these changes occurring and occurring very rapidly. And so, you know, as people, you know, we do need to be prepared for all of this transformation that's occurring. And it's not like we haven't already been through it, right? 2021, 20, 22 has been constant change. And that's kind of the right. nature of what we're facing right now is this constant evolution and it's speeding up the rapid changes. So that's why, you know, people becoming self-sustainable, learn how to plant food, you know, have some savings, um, you know, looking at water and energy. These are all things to help people be, you know, prepared for the transition that's occurring. And it's going to occur not only in the U.S., it's occurring on a global scale. Wow. Wow. Well, Mike, it's always fun. I listen to you and uh, thank you so much for your thoughts and your wisdom. And uh, this won't be the last time we will talk with you again. I wish we could have you like once a month. <laughs> but, well, John, I, you we'll, know, we'll, I, my we'll heart, keep it going. I, I love you. I love you and, and love what you're doing. So any way I can be thank of you. service and, and help you and in, in the group that you're helping to guide. I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled always to be a part of it. Good. Well, thank you so much. And, uh, and I do hope to be seeing you in the next few weeks. I hope that comes off. I would love we'll to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look forward to okay. it. Okay. Okay, Mike. All right. God. Take care. God, God bless. bless. Thanks so yep. much. All righty. Bye-bye. Well, bye-bye. Well, there you go, everybody. How was that? You're listening to The Catch well, with John Fisher. It was encouraging. It was sobering. It should make us stop and think and uh, make us reach out to our neighbors and friends with the love of Jesus. That's really the only constant, you guys. Keep loving each other and loving the Lord. God bless you. Hang in there till next week. Bye-bye.
is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.